chapter 6. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Had a wonderful time yesterday of fellowship and just want to thank everyone that was involved, every person, no matter how little or how much you brought and put your shoulder to the wheel. We want to say we appreciate that. Amen. I know our young people and our children really appreciated that time just some enjoyment and to have a little fun, and that's what it's all about. Amen. God bless you today. Revelations chapter 6 and verse 5, and says, When he had opened up the third seal, he heard the third beast say, Come and see. And beheld, and lo, a black horse, and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And he heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny. Three measures of barley for a penny. And see thou, hurt not the oil and the wine. Amen. We'll let you be seated today. Spoke on this a few services ago and actually was going to continue this this last Wednesday. Lord wanted, had, had solved that we was to speak something else. But today, I want to pick up on this again on hurt not the oil and the wine. Amen. And it must be very important because it was the lamb who spoke it. It was the voice that was in the midst of the four beasts. It wasn't even one of the anointings that spoke it, but a voice in the midst. And I believe that voice is still in our midst today. And he's still moving and he's still touching and he's still speaking. And that voice, amen, still speaks with power and authority. Amen. And so we, we, we look at this. Brother Branham took this question in the, in the question and answers on the seals. And he says, what does see thou hurt not the oil and the wine mean in Revelation 6 and verse 6? He said, it's the Holy Spirit. See, we just got through that. Probably somebody came in a little late for the message. He said, but what does the oil and wine mean? The oil, as we look in it in symbols, the oil represents the Holy Spirit. And the wine and oil is connected together in Bible, in the Bible, always in worship. They're always connected. The wine, as we know, amen, he said, where I get the idea of stimulation, wine stimulates. 
Amen. Wine is the antitype of his natural. From stimulation comes the revelation, or from the revelation comes the stimulation. He said, what stimulates the church? Revelations. Amen. So wine, the new wine, amen, the oil and the wine went together in sacrifice and went together in church worship. And so if it went together then, it still goes together now. Amen. Maybe you don't understand how these come together, but maybe you came a little bit late to the message. Amen. But God spoke it that these, he said, he put it in his word, hurt not the oil. He didn't just say hurt not the oil or hurt not the wine. He said hurt not the oil and the wine because it takes both. It takes spirit and it takes truth. Amen. You can't have one or the other or one by itself, but you have, must have mo- both of them working together. He said, but see, you, you see a whole string all the way through the Bible of oil and wine, always meeting together in worship. <clears throat> he said, if you follow it through the Bible, it's always meeting together. He said, you can look at it in, uh, in, the, in Ezekiel. You can find it in the Old Testament. You can find it in the New Testament. He says, why do we anoint the sick with oil? We anoint the sick with oil because it's symbolizing, it's symbolizing the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So the, so re, the reason why we put oil upon people's forehead is representing the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit will be placed between you and that disease that is against you. Amen. So we know that that works. We've seen it work. Amen. Because <clears throat> we know his spirit is more powerful than any disease, any problem, any situation. And so if you place it there, amen, between you and that, then there is a protection, not of your own strength or your own ability, but a protection of the Holy Ghost. And we also see that the wise virgins had oil and the wise and the unwise virgins did not have no oil. Amen. So it always comes together. And so he said the wine is the revelation that reveals the interpretation of the word which stimulates the believer. You say, he said, well, I, you never seen that before. He said, my glory. He said, I, I didn't see it either until God opened it to me. He said, stimulation of revelation. It's the oil and the wine. And I got to look at this word stimulate, amen, because there's a, a whole lot of words that comes behind that. I like to follow those trails sometimes. Stimulate, synonyms of stimulate, it means to encourage, to inspire, to prompt, to quicken, to spark, to spur, to trigger, to vitalize, to activate, to animate, amen, to commove. I thought, what is that word? Commove. It means to move one to the point of being violent. Amen, that's in the scripture. Jesus said, the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent taketh by force. Amen, so the word, the revelation, when you begin to reveal to you that it's for you and his promises of God are yours and it's not just for somebody else or mom and daddy, amen, it begins to cause something to rise up on the inside of you, amen, to where you can grab the promises of God for yourself. And sometimes you're gonna have to fight tooth, hand, and nail with everything you got, amen, but you're gonna stand there upon the word of God and not let Satan back you off of it. Therefore, it's gonna commove you, it's gonna move you to the point of becoming angry and violent and not allowing that devil to ever one more time talk you out of the promises of God. But you're going to stand there and you're going to hold to it. It's also to dynamize, to elate, to energize, to enliven, amen, to exhilarate, to fan the fire. 
I love a good service. It ain't a bunch of water poured on and putting out the fire, but I love it when the fan begins to move. And you grab a hold. I believe any God called son of God, preacher of God, preacher of this message ought to be a, ha- a fan in the hand of God to blow and to move and, and to enlighten and to, and to, and to, and to build up, amen, to, to make it move forward in the house of God. It's to goad, it's to grab you, it's to hook you. It's to incite you. Amen. I know this ain't good for Baptists, but this is good for believers. Inflame you. It's to instigate you. It's to motivate you. It's to move you. It's to prod you. Amen. Sometimes that prod don't feel too good. Amen. But it moves you out of your comfort zone and moves you into another realm. It's prodding you and saying, look, there's more steps for you to take. There's more mountains for you to climb up. There's more valleys for you to conquer. There's more enemies out there that we got to deal with and we got to fight with. And if I fight, let me fight with all that I got. Amen, it's to prod you, it's to support you, it's to urge you, it's to build a fire under you. Amen, amen. It's to fire you up, it's to get you going, it's to get you started, it's to key you up, to set you up, to steam you up, to stir you up, to wake you up, to work you up. I like that really good right there. Amen. God is not interested in you sitting in your doldrums and your bad attitudes and you can't do it and your wowsy wowsy woos. He wants you to push past all your limitations. Push past the things that are trying to hinder you and to hold you. He wants to key you up. Let the master come and put his key in you and get that fire started. Amen. Bless you. What is that, Brother Timothy? That's wine revelation. <laughs> no, that's some good old tea. Hot tea, and I don't even like it, but I got to drink it this morning. But it's to steam you up. It's to stir you up. It's to wake you up. It's to work you up. This is the dictionary, all right? And uh, you, you may say, well, you're just trying to work them up. Well, that's stimulation. And it ain't me doing it. It's the word that's doing it. So that's the problem. People think that it's a minister up there and he's trying to do something. No, he's preaching the word and the word is taking effect in lives and they begin to realize that old devil is not above me or whooping. He's under my feet. And it begins to move them to another round to where they can say all things are possible. Hallelujah. It begins to stir something up on the inside of them. Amen. It ain't just a work up in the, you know, that's, that's the problem with the enemy. He wants to make it all just man's doings. <clears throat> Amen. I'm getting used to my new voice for a minute too, so just bear with me. Amen. He's, he's trying to get. He's trying to make it all just man's abilities, or it's all about just the man. No, it's the voice that's in the midst. Amen. Come on now. It ain't just the man. It's the voice that's behind the man. 
Amen. It's to work, it's to work one up, it's to get one started, it's to, it's to move forward, it's to, it's to set you up. Set me up for what? For victory. Not defeat. It ain't setting you up for defeat. It's setting you up that you'll rise above it. It's to set you up in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Amen. The importance of revelation by the spirit to a true believer can never be overemphasized. Revelation means more to you than perhaps you know or realize. He said, I'm not talking about just the book of Revelation. I'm talking about all Revelation. It is tremendously important to the church. We remember Matthew chapter 16 where Jesus asked the disciples, he said, whom do men say that I, the son of, son of man, am? He said, some say that thou art John. Some say you're Elias. Some say you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said, but who do you say? Let me stimulate your faith for a minute. Who do you say that it is? If this ain't nothing but a bunch of work up in some man's kingdom and some man's idea, amen, it'll, it'll never do nothing for you. But if you look beyond the veils of humanity, that's exactly what they had to do. That's what Peter had to do. He had to look beyond the veil of humanity that was standing there before him. And others were saying this. Some were not saying good things. Some were saying bad things. Some were calling him an illegitimate child. Some were saying he was, you know, he was born out of wedlock and all he was, you know, all these other ill-famed names they're trying to put on him. But Peter looked beyond all of that. And he said, I believe thou art the Christ, the Son of the Living God. <clears throat> and Jesus said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood had not uh oh. This wasn't passed down by intellectual reasoning and intellectual abilities and intellectual TED Talks and teaching somebody. Well, we got to have more teaching to get people established. I agree. Holy Ghost teaching. Not man's intellects. Not man's ideas, but the Spirit of God moving and touching and changing hearts. Uh, But he said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to thee, but my father, which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter and upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So the Roman Catholics take that and they build the church on Peter, a man again. It's all Peter. Sounds like it's being repeated in our generation too. Amen. It's all William Branham. It's all just a man. He said, that's really carnal. How could God build a church upon a man so unstable that he denied the Lord Jesus and cursed while he's doing it? God can't build his church upon any man, any man, any man born in sin. He cannot build his church on any man born in sin. It wasn't some rock laying there, though God had hallowed the ground at that spot. It isn't the Protestants say that the church is built upon Jesus. It was built upon revelation. Flesh and blood has not revealed it, but my Father has revealed it to you. And upon this rock, this revelation, I'll build my church. <clears throat> what revelation? Who Jesus was. How did Abel offer a better sacrifice than Cain did? By revelation. 
That's how your offering is going to be accepted is because of by revelation. It won't be because you got a certain head knowledge or certain abilities or, or certain you're, you, you're going to outthink or outsmart. No, it ain't about that. Or what you've done. Cain brought all that he had done. He brought his altar and he built it up just pretty. He had it all straightened out. He didn't want nobody dancing around it. Nobody having a good time in the Lord. Nobody. He wanted to show God his best. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I can hear some noise as Abel decides, you know, it comes to that moment in his life to go off for a sacrifice and he don't go and find something he done. He goes find what God required. And he finds a lamb out there and he puts a string around his neck. He wasn't no good, quiet, nice little oh, communion with God. There was a lot of noise that took place. There was a lot of blood that was shed. It looked un, unhealthy. It looked, it looked like there was a, it shouldn't be done. It looked impossible, amen, that God would accept this. Blood everywhere. <clears throat> he said he got him a rock. He laid that lamb upon that altar and he began to hack at it. Let me tell you something, that ain't no fun. That is not no fun. I did it. Not out of necessity, not, out, not that I wanted to, but it was out of necessity. It's actually right there in, sister, in front of Sister Angie's mom's house. A deer run out, of, out in front of me. We was coming home late one night and it ran out in front of me and hit the side of that big old truck I used to have with that flatbed. And it, I, I knew, I said, man, that deer's hurt or maybe dead. I'll go back and see. It's after midnight and, and uh, I pull up, turn around, pull up. This deer's in the, in the middle of the road and it, and it ain't in good shape. His legs are broken, but it's still trying to live. And I thought, man, I go digging through my truck and I ain't got anything. And I hear this voice out there at the house. Hey, you hit a deer? I said, yeah, I hit a deer. You need a knife? Yeah, I need a knife. Yeah, you got a knife? Sure. Went down there and Bobby brought me a knife. It was, a, it was duller than a butter knife. <laughs> I didn't know that, but I walked back out that deer and I started. <laughs> that ain't no fun. And I'm like, oh, God, help me. You know, I, I'm like, what am I going to He said, hey, you need a sharper knife? <laughs> I said, yeah, that would be awesome. You got one. He said, sure do. I'm like, you'd been good if you gave me that one the first time. <laughs> Look, it looked like a murder scene when it was over. It wasn't fun. Adam or Abel, he, he, he come and blood was flying everywhere. It was getting all over him. It didn't look like it was a good thing. Surely God would like what was pretty and God would like what was more thought out and, and placed just right. No, God wanted worship. And Abel was worshiping by revelation. And it was getting all over him. Amen. If your worship isn't getting all over you, you're not worshiping by revelation. You're worshiping by creeds and dogmas and intellectual ability. God wants true worship. Amen. Amen. Cain, he couldn't offer the right sacrifice because it was a revelation from God that made the difference and it gave Abel eternal life. Then sound like it's worth worshiping by revelation. If eternal life is on, on the, is what's available, I'll do it. Amen. Said so you might take what the pastor says, what the seminary teaches, 
though it might be taught with you with eloquence, God reveals to you that Jesus is the Christ and that it is the blood that cleanses you and that God is your savior or you will never have eternal life. It is spiritual revelation that does it. Amen. Now I said that this book of Revelation is a revelation of Jesus and what he's doing in the churches for the seven ages. It is a revelation because the disciples themselves didn't know these recorded truths. It had been previously, it had not been previously revealed to them. You remember they came to Jesus in the book of Acts and said, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said, it's not for you to know the time or the seasons, but it's been given to you. It wasn't given to them, but it's been given to you. Hallelujah, the revelation of where we're at and who we are, it has been given to us. <laughs> they didn't realize there was gonna be seven more church ages. God allowed it to be that way because you know what would happen with men and women and if they realized, well, it's gonna be 2,000 more years before Jesus returns, there wouldn't have been no going out and preaching the gospel. They wouldn't have been ready. They'd have just been doing their own thing. Amen. But for you, it's been given. The revelation of we are not in the first age or the second or third, fourth, fifth, sixth. We are in the last age. Therefore, at the last age, we're not going back down to be planted. We're coming up to be harvested. Amen. So it's a revelation. So he said, see, it was a spiritual kingdom that he was going to build. Even he, he could not tell them about, the, about his place in it for the father had not revealed it to them. But now after his death and resurrection and at this particular time in his mediatorial ministry, he is able to set forth here in the revelations of himself to John what his glory and his presence in the church would mean and do. Did you catch that? what his glory in the church would mean and do. <clears throat> so his glory has something for us. So it shows you there's still a voice in the midst. He's still in the midst of them. Amen. In this revelation, he tells us what the end of the devil is. Man, that ought to cause some stimulation right there. When you begin to think about it, that Satan has an end. Amen, the sicknesses that are bothering you, the problems that you've been facing, the trials that you've been going through, the devil that's been tormenting you, he has an end. Hallelujah, but turn it all the way around the other way when you begin to realize I don't have an end. Glory to God. Amen. There's shouting that begins to take place. There's something that begins to move up into another atmosphere when you begin to realize my, amen, my bit, my where I'm going is not down. It's not into hell. It's not into problems and situations and drown and all of that. But I'm going to rise. I'm going to rise. And I'm going to rise until I leave this whole world. Hallelujah. Have you ever noticed how Satan hates two books of the Bible more than any others? It's the beginning and the end. He's always attacking the book of Genesis and the book of Revelations. 
So he also attacks the, he, of course, he, he, he worked very murderously through the dark ages, but he's really coming against, amen, the first of the life and the last of the life <clears throat> to try to hinder it. He thought the first church was going to try to go up in a rapture. He didn't know either that it was going to be 2,000 years. So when it began to move on and on, he tried to stamp it out and put 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 it out. And he's come to the seventh age and it still ain't out. He's come to this moment and he still can't do nothing about it. Hallelujah. He's always attacking. Both of these books, we find Satan's origin and his awful ways. And then we also find his destruction. <laughs> I wouldn't like them two books either. But I like them because I find my origin and I find my redemption. I find my body change. I find me leaving this whole world. Glory. And it causes something on the inside of me to rise up. Oh, he hates it. He hates to be exposed. Satan said he has no part in me. Or Jesus said it's about Satan. He has no part in me and I have no part in him. The devil would like to prove that different, but he cannot for he does all he can to destroy confidence in the word. So that's where he starts. He tries to start destroying the confidence in the word. <clears throat> So where, how, how, does he, how does he start trying to destroy the ministry? Well, what the word said about them. So he tries to start destroying confidence in the word. What did he do to Eve when he, when he finally got her to fall? He started by trying to destroy the confidence she had in what God said. So the devil is always there to try to destroy the confidence of the ministry or what God has said. And he's trying to destroy. Why? Because if he can destroy that, he can destroy you. He said, well, I don't believe, well, ask Eve. When the church disbelieves Satan and believes the Spirit's revelation of the word, the gates of hell cannot prevail against her. Does that stimulate her? Kind of. <laughs> he said, let me, let me just put a word here for my own ministry. He says, you know, all this, uh, that this gift of my life is supernatural. It's a gift whereby the Holy Spirit is able to discern diseases and thoughts of men's hearts and other hidden things that only God can know and then reveal to me. I wish you could stand with me and see the faces of people when Satan knows he's going to be exposed. Amen. Amen. So now it isn't the people that I'm talking about. It's that Satan has got a hold of their lives through sin, indifference, and disease. Hello, sin, indifference, and disease. But you should see their faces. Satan knows he's going to be exposed and the most peculiar change comes over people's countenance. Satan is afraid. He knows that the spirit of God is about to let the people know of his works. That's why he hates these meetings so much. When names are called and diseases are revealed, Satan hates that. He said, it ain't now by mind reading or telepathy or witchcraft. It's a revelation by the Holy Ghost, the oil. 
Hallelujah. Then all of a sudden it becomes revealed to them. He's talking about me. And he's telling me what my address is. He's telling me what I'm going through. He's telling me of the diseases that are attacking me. He's not exposing me. He's exposing what's against me. Amen. If people would begin to realize that's what the word does. It isn't that the ministry wants to expose you. They want to expose the disease that is against you. So don't get mad at the ministry. Get mad at the disease. Hallelujah. So let me show you another reason why Satan hates this book of Revelation. He knows that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he changes not. <laughs> so if he wanted oil and wine, he still wants oil and wine. Well, I don't know about that. Well, either that or he's not Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let's just rip that one out of the book too. But the problem is people want to try to interject their ideas of how they think God ought to operate and how he responds and how somebody ought to respond when he comes by. And they want to start dictating what the oil and the wine and how much can be released and how much you can drink and how much you can, amen, how much of the effect can be lived out in your life. So he knows, he said he knows that a whole lot more than 90% of theologians. He knows that God is immutable in his nature. Then he's just as, and if he's immutable in his nature, then he's just as immutable in his ways. So if he still wants blood sacrifice, if he wanted it then, he wants it now. If he wants oil and wine then, he wants it now. Amen. Thus Satan knows assuredly that the original church at Pentecost with the power of God, March 16 in action, is the true church that Jesus claims as his own. All else is false. It has to be. He said, but now remember this, Christ and the true church is a continuation of the book of Acts. But the book of Revelation shows that that Antichrist spirit would come into the church and defile it, making it what? Lukewarm, formal, uh-oh, and powerless. It exposes Satan, revealing his works, his tempted destruction of God's people and the discrediting of God's word, right down to the time he's cast in the lake of fire. <clears throat> so that word is still exposing him. Because as far as I know, he's not in the lake of fire. Much as I'd want him to be, he ain't there yet. But he does have his day coming. <laughs> I like to think of the devil just like this. When you go to the grocery store and you see a, like you're going to get a gallon of milk and there's a date up there. And just say it says 10, or no, yeah, no, let's go a little further. 1-12-2023. There's a date there that says this is no good no more after this date. Don't drink it. The devil has an expiration date. He has a predetermined day. God 
knows when it is. I don't know. No man knows. But God has put a date on his life. Oh, my. Oh, hallelujah. That when it comes to this moment, past that, it's over. Past that, he's finished. You say, well, that's the lake of fire. Well, also, amen, the devil that's been tormenting you has an expiration date. That one day you'll be walking and you'll be dealing with trials and the next day it'll all be over with. It causes a stimulation to rise up. Hallelujah. One day he's tormenting you and the next day he's gone. One day he's made you sick in the body and the next day he's finished. One day he's got your son, and the next day your son's free. He has an expiration date. Let's just rejoice in that this morning. The devil has an end. The devil has an end. Sickness has an end. Depression has an end. Fear and anxiety and every demon of hell has an end. What you need to do is look at your devil and say, devil, you have an end. Hallelujah. Amen. He fights that. He can't stand against it. He knows that if the people. All right. He knows that if the people get the revelation of what? The true church. Not just a church. Not just an assembly of people. Not just a gathering. Not just singing a few songs and having a few good words and walking out and saying, I've done my religion for the week. No, the true church and what she is and what she stands for, that she. How many is she this morning? How many has got a direct revelation? I'm she. (laughs) I'm she. She can do the greater works. She will be an invincible army. They get a true revelation of the two spirits within the framework of the Christian church and by God's spirit discern and withstand. Not just, oh, I see it over there. Withstand it. Put something in you to commove you. Make you violent. time we get a little bit, not just a little bit, let me rephrase that. It's time we get a lot mad at the devil. And withstand it, Satan will be powerless before her. How many is the her? He will be definitely thwarted today as when Christ withstood his every effort to gain power over him in the desert. Yes, Satan hates revelation, but... We love it. Yeah, with true revelation in our lives, the gates of hell cannot prevail against us, but we will prevail over them. It don't say that the gates of hell won't be against you. 
if they're not going to prevail, that means they're trying to prevail. They're trying to tear you down. They're trying to bring you down. But the word says they will not. You know, Moses, by intellectual knowledge, been passed down. He tried to deliver Israel. He had the word. He had the promise. He had been taught it from a young man. He knew it by intellectual knowledge. He was going to be a deliverer. He was told that over and over and over. He had tried it in his own works and his own deeds and failed. He didn't deliver him. He killed one Egyptian. But what he was lacking, what he, what, what he was lacking, he met on the backside of the desert. The pillar of fire, the spirit, the oil. Amen. And he began, at first he began to question, well, why me? I don't even talk. Why me? I stutter. Why me? But the spirit began to move past all of his questions and all of his reasonings and all the why nots. He'd been out there and got a 40 years of why nots. A bunch of why nots. Why, 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 why? Here, but all of a sudden he sees a bush that's on fire, but it ain't burning. He thought, well, I'm going to go check this out. And out of that bush was what? A voice. <laughs> Hallelujah. A voice that began to speak and said, Moses, take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. And through that communication, there began to be a revelation that was transferred to him. As he began to look and he sees his hand go into his breast and come out white and go back in and come out clean. He sees his rod turn into a snake and he runs and the voice says, come back and pick it up. I'm showing you that you've got dominion over it. And he comes back and he picks it up and it brought it back to a rod again. Amen. Revelation struck him. And apparently it has stimulated him so much that he ran back to the house. He packed his cow or his mule and his wife and his child, grabbed his staff and went down to Egypt to what? Take over. <laughs> he said, Moses took this stick and he went there and took that nation, took a nation out of a nation. When he came with a stick in his hand, he told Pharaoh, let my people go. Pharaoh seen in Moses the works that he had faith in what he was doing. He had faith in the promise of God that had made the promise and he went down and to take it over. No other man would have done it. No other man would have thought it was possible. Listen, we ain't talking about taking a gun and going taking over a restaurant. Mike can do that. We're not talking about taking a machine gun and going getting your car off a car lot. Mike can do that. He was taking a donkey, a wife, and a child, and a rod, and going down to the most powerful nation at that moment. It'd be about like you going up to the White House with a plumb limb. I'm here to take over. Well, you better have a revelation. Or you're going to get kicked out. Probably won't even make it up there. But if God told you to go do it, you'll go do it. That's the problem with a lot of people. They blame a lot of stuff on God. 
They're so spiritual and high-minded with God. I have not. There's some people that God lies to more than anybody ever seen in my life. Come on now. <laughs> God told me this, and God told me that, and God showed me this, and God t- and not one of them has ever come to pass. I know who it was. It was God human. Human abilities and human mind and what you thought, what you thought was should be done. Moses tried to do it when he thought it should be done and it didn't work. But when God said it's time to do it, it worked. Hallelujah. About to turn this over to Brother Aaron. (laughs) So when the time of the promise Drew nigh, there was a little boy born, fair child. His parents, Amram and Jacobeth, was not afraid of the king's commandment. And there was something, grounds were already being prepared. He said, oh God, I hope I'm speaking to people that are prepared. That seeds can fall right into the right place and bring forth fruit. They say, well, Brother Brandon, what kind, what kind of takes, it takes, what, what, what about this? What, what about Moses that would do something like this. His, he said, Moses expressed faith in the promise of God that he believed. And Pharaoh, the man, could see what it was. He couldn't see how Moses was going to do it. But he know Moses believed in what he was talking about. He wouldn't be standing in that palace with a stick in his hand. But this stick, I'll take, he said, by this stick, I'll take them out from you. An old man, 80 years old, not an athlete, an old man, stooped shoulders, whiskers hanging down his, probably down to his waistline, gray hair, looked impossible. But I'm going to take them out, let them go. That's thus saith the Lord. Now, if it had been Moses saith, it wouldn't have happened. But it was thus saith the Lord. I mean, think it was, one spear could have ended it. One little shot from a bow could have finished it. But he stood there fearless because he knew God spoke to me. And it became a revelation to where he was so stimulated by it, he would lose his mind and go down there and tell Pharaoh face to face, let him go. If you don't let him go, I'm going to torment you. You and what army? I don't need an army. I've got thus saith the Lord. (laughs) Hallelujah. For God told him, you'll come back here to this mountain again and worship me. Oh, hallelujah. He said, when things are revealed to you, you are fearless. You don't care what anybody says or what they doubt. And you could care less. You become fearless. This is the truth coming from God. Then, then you become fearless. David became fearless. David got up that morning and his dad come to him and said, you know, I need you to go down. I need you to go down there and take some cakes and some figs and some... some uh, Nice nourishment to you, brothers. They got a war going on. I can see David as he began to go. And I wish I had the voice this morning. He wasn't going fearful. He didn't get out of his bed like, oh, man, do I really got to go down there 
he couldn't hardly wait. He wanted to go. He, he's like, Get, go ahead, load them up, load them up. Come on, let's go. I'm ready to go. I, I, I got something in my heart. that I, I, I got to be there. <clears throat> it was something that was moving him, something that was, that was firing him up, something that was moving him, something that was overtaking him. And listen, it didn't just start when he got to the battleground. It started way before he got to the battleground. He said, got out of his bed and he put that one foot on it. He said, wow, it feels good to be a son of Abraham. Amen. I'm, I'm blessed to be able to stand right here in the same land Abraham walked in. Abraham talked in. The same land that the angels of God visited Abraham. The same place that they changed their bodies and gave them a son. It feels good to be a son of Abraham. Woo! That'll change you a little bit when you get up on a Sunday morning and you put one foot down. So, wow, I'm in the land. I'm in the same land Peter talked about. And he said, repent and be baptized and be filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm in that land. I'm in the land of the redeemed. I'm in the land of shouting hallelujahs and praising God. I'm in the land to overcome every enemy because this is my land. <laughs> Hallelujah. He began to sing his way all the way down there. I'm no doubt he would have sang that song we heard this morning. Mercy. Mercy and goodness has brought me to this place. I'm here because of his mercy. I'm not here because, why Why was David doing this? Why was David so happy? Why was David moving like this? Because David had already been in the anointing hall. <laughs> he had been anointed for king. Hello, somebody. I'm looking at a people. Why are you stimulated? Why are they, why do you hear the word that makes you shout and dance and, and move around because you've been in the anointing oil? Amen. The anointing oil has been poured over your life and not just to be a peon or, or just a pawn somewhere, but you have been anointed kings and priests of the most high God and he's placed you in a place of authority. <clears throat> So David woke up in his place of authority. He went down to that service on a Sunday morning. He walked out there. He cut around that last corner. Just got him a comfortable spot on a rock. He's looking for his brothers. And he found him a real comfy spot. It was, about, it was green, about that thick. A little place where his back can lean up against. It's like, man, this is a good spot. I found a good spot. All of a sudden, he hears a voice. Send me a man. I defy the armies of the living God. Send me a man that'll fight me. And if he wins, we'll serve you. But if I win, you'll serve me. Well, you know, what you need to do is look that devil in the eye and say, you know what? I may not win every battle, but if I lose, I'm still not serving you. 
a bunch of nonsense. Amen. But he, he said, Brother, Brother Bradham said, you know, he said, that giant, I done said these things before, but that giant had come out there that morning. He said it was 40 days, 40 church services. And he sat there and he made his challenge and he made his challenge and he went back in his tent and said, boy, a bunch of chickens, they won't do nothing about it. They're just going on like they always went on. They just still stay. Send me a man. But on this day, it happened to be the day of his expiration date. He didn't know it. The children of Israel didn't know it. Even David didn't even know it. But God had put it on his life. Said, this day you're going to die. This day your head's coming off. This day you're going to fall. And you ain't going to fall before a great army. You're going to fall before a little ruddy boy. I wish I had the voice to preach right now. Hallelujah. You may not feel like much. You may feel so insignificant, but what if today was the day that devil had his expiration date? All it takes is a man or a woman that's been in the anointing hall and says, you know what, devil? I ain't going to hear it another time. I'm not going to listen to your challenge no more. This day, your head's coming off. Hallelujah. Do we got any Davids this morning? Says, devil, your head's coming off. Devil, I'm not going there no more. I'm not going down that path no more. This is your end time. He became fearless. Next thing you know, he danced right out in the aisle and he went right down to a little brook. And in that brook was five stones. Everything he already needed was already laying in the land. He just needed somebody that would get down to where that revelation is and say, here it is. <laughs> here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Five stones. G-E-S-U-S-F-A-I-T-H. Where's that devil at now? This day, I'm going to take your head off. This day is my winning day. This day is my victory day. This day is my moment. There's some of you that's been bound by lukewarmness, but this day, it has an expiration date. Some of you have been bound by fear and past mistakes, but this day, it has an expiration date. Some of you have been bound by sickness, but this day, it has an expiration date. Give me a David that'll believe and will become fearless and say, this day, the scripture is fulfilled. <laughs> Come on now. I ain't got much, but you got a sling. I ain't got much, but you got a revelation. Reach down in that valley right there and pick it up. Woo, let me look at it right here right quick. Right here in this valley, I'm looking for one. Oh, I'm getting close. I will bless the Lord at all times. Yeah, 
buddy. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me. Is there any delivered in the house of the Lord? Oh my. And he delivered me. And he delivered me from all. All my fears. I feared cancer and he delivered me. I feared depression and he delivered me. I feared every kind of thing and he delivered me of all of them. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him. And saved him. Woo! How many saved here this morning? And saved him out of all. All his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth about them that fear them and deliver them. Oh, taste and see. Oh, my taste. Ooh. That's good stuff right there. And blessed is the man that trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, all you saints, for there is no want. If you need some provision, there's no want from them that fear him. Can we just lift our hands for a moment and just bless the Lord then? Taste it. Taste it. Get a revelation this morning. I'm not going down. I'm going up. I'm not going to repeat what my mom and daddy did, but God is a chain breaker. What my dad done is not my same destination. What my mom done is not who I am. I'm a son. I'm a daughter of the living king of God. And I'm from another kingdom. Get fearless. Hang on. Get fearless. Get fearless. You, I don't care this morning if you want to stand up or you want to sit down. I don't really care. Just whatever you do, grab a promise. But I will say this. If David would have stayed in his seat, he'd have never got a promise. Amen. Let me go back over here. David wasn't a match for this giant. This man had shoulders that were, would almost bust the door open probably when he walked. His head would hit up the duck, maybe crawl through. He wasn't no joke. Looked impossible, but David wasn't looking at impossible. He was looking past impossible. Revelation struck him. He said, see, I've already been here. God's delivered me out of the paw of the bear and he delivered me out of the paw of the lion. How much more (laughs) will he deliver me from that uncircumcised devil? Come on, somebody. He delivered me from a car wreck. 
He saved my soul. He brought me to this place. How much more will he deliver me from this spirit that's been haunting my life? This uncircumcised devil that has no right being in this land. He had brothers that were probably more able. They've been in the army longer than he had ever. Well, he ain't even been in the army. So, I mean, they've been, they've been trained. <laughs> I never forget hearing Brother Danny Steeman preach on this. And he says, giant, that giant would come out and make his boast. And all that army would run back in them tents, whoop out their laptops and see if they could find a quote about it. <laughs> That's all right if you find a quote, but do something with it. If the quote just stays in the tent, it ain't going to be anything. If it just stays in the tent and it don't become an expression, well, I love the Lord. Well, if it just stays in the tent and it don't become an expression, he don't even know if you love him or not. He wants expression. If it's absolutely revealed to you that God's going to heal you, you're going to get it. If it's absolutely revealed, I I don't care what's wrong with you, what the odds are. The doctor may have come and said, the odds are no good. Well, what he ain't putting into the equation in this impossible math. Is there an equalizer there? I really wish I'd have paid attention to math now because there's probably something really good in that. There's an equalizer there that can take any odds. Any odds. They may be 100% against you. Any odds. And make it possible. So it really doesn't matter if the doctor says 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100% chance you're not going to have or you're not going to be or you're going to die. It don't matter. What does that matter? That's the best he can do. That's his abilities. He learned. He done. He's applied himself. Great. But there's an odd equalizer. And he's in the building this morning. He's here to give life. He's here to give stimulation. He's here to invoke something. Whenever it was revealed to him, he became fearless. He just would tell that devil anything. Today, I'm going to cut your head off. Well, I'm sure that made Goliath real happy. Well, that was, that was, thank you for being so kind. He said, well, who in the world sent this little boy out here? This is nonsense. Wasn't there a man? But you sent this little squirt. <laughs> and he's laughing and he's making fun. And he, he's making fun of the... He don't know that he's not really making fun of David. He's making fun of the oil. That was poured over him by a prophet. That's really what he's making fun of. He's trying to make fun of David, but what he don't see is the voice that's in the midst. And there's a voice that is speaking. And when it was said, I'm going to take your head off. It wasn't a little four and a half foot boy that said that. It was the anointing, the Holy Ghost that said that. 
It was the revelation that said that. It was the voice that spoke. Sure, he used David's voice, but there was a voice that spoke because it happened. If David would have said that and that giant went and killed David, then it wouldn't have been the voice or the oil that said it. It had been David getting worked up. But there was more than that. David became fearless because he had a true revelation. He didn't care what anybody else said. His brothers could make fun of him, and they did. Other churches make fun of you, and they have. They'll make fun of your singing. They'll make fun of your worship. They'll make fun of your response. They'll, They'll make fun, and they'll make fun, and make fun. But you don't got to pay no attention to that. David's brother's like, you're making yourself into somebody. Who do you think you are? You're supposed to be back with the sheep. You're supposed to be back there. Well, fine. But why don't you do something about this voice that is speaking over here? But David said, no, I'm here for a purpose. I'm here to take his head off. Amen. He said, see, that little, Brother Brown called him a little hunchback looking boy, seeing his heart, the same God in that crucial moment. He said, it moved upon him. He's the same God in this crucial moment that could take that woman from a wheelchair. That man, if you can believe with all your trouble, God will reveal it to you. Then you won't be able to stay there. <laughs> Amen. You believe that? He says, the giant didn't believe it. He said, neither will the cancer. He'll laugh at you and say, I'm a dog. You sent a kid here to fight with me. That didn't shake David at all. He had a faith in what he was doing. He knew he was going to do it because God had put it there already. He would go on. So many others, Samson was caught out. With a thousand Philistines. And all he had, he had nothing. And he looked down, he seen this old dried up mule. And that mule had died and he's picked up this old dry jawbone just as dry as it could be. And he took after those Philistines, beating them over the head with this old dry jawbone of a mule. He said it was something amazing because it would break through metal. And break through helmets. And kill all, all up to a thousand. I've said this before, but it's worth repeating. How stupid is the Philistines? I mean, okay, at 10, you're the 11th and you keep fighting, but you're 990 and you're still trying to kill this guy? It don't make no sense. That's how stupid the devil is. <laughs> He's trying with it, and he knows he has an end. He don't know when it is, but he knows he has a, he knows he has a short time. But he's fighting, and he's fighting, and he's fighting. Well, I mean, if a guy knowing he has an end will fight that hard, how much more should we fight who has no end? Spoke that to the young people up there in Ohio. We have something worth fighting for. 
Amen. Brother Van will say it. He said, I have a seat sitting at a table that's over a thousand miles long. It's got my name on it. He said, I'm going to sit there and I'm going to begin to talk to others and oh, heroes of faith. And he said, tears will come down our eyes. He said, but about that moment, he'll walk out of the glory and he'll reach down and he'll wipe those tears away. He said, so we got something worth fighting for. So if we're going to fight, let's make it a good fight. Let's fight with everything that we have within us. Every service is a fight. I don't care who you are. It's a fight. It was a fight to be here this morning. I got up this morning and I couldn't even hardly whisper. Amen. But it was a fight. I knew I had something on my heart. You got up and many of you didn't feel your best. Tired. Brother Joe was wore out from running up and down that that thing last yesterday. And Brother Jackson got inspired and he run the three-legged race and the sack race. Listen, these old bodies can't take that. You young fellows that won yesterday, you're crowing, just don't worry. Don't worry, your crow's going to turn into a hill. <laughs> it's coming. One day you're going to get up and try to crow. You go, <laughs> It's coming. I didn't realize I'd be here 46 years old. That's crazy. He says, tell me about it. Because you know why? Every year that I get older, he gets older. Every year that I get older, you get older. There's some of you, Sister Phyllis, no doubt. Different ones, ain't lending different ones that would hold me on their knee when this church first started. And now here I'm 46. And he thought, whoa, Brother Timothy, you got to, Brother Brown said he was 50 years old. And he said he hadn't done nothing for the Lord. Mercy. 50 years old and all the things that he done. And he ain't done nothing for the Lord. What are we? 46 years old, ain't done nothing for the Lord. 17 years old, ain't done nothing. But if we're going to fight, let's make it a good one. Oh. <laughs> hey, I got to stick around a little bit long enough yesterday to see even Brother L, 70-something years old. <laughs> and racist, what are you, 18 almost, daughter through that thing got yesterday. But I promise you, he wasn't going to lose. I remember when I was a young man, about 18 years old and maybe a little younger, my dad told me, he said, look, I don't want to fight you, but if we do, I'm going to win. I don't care what I got to do. I'm going to win. I don't care if I got to pick up a two by four. I'm going to win. <laughs> Brother L was clawing his way through there and Jemiah was crying, daddy, wait on me. He wasn't waiting on her. He was there to win. Come on, somebody. Amen. I seen Brother Joe. He was there to win. He was putting there. He was flying over those barriers. He was busting through them. Because why? There was a drive on him to win. Come on now. What about you this morning? I ain't talking about a little blow up thing out there. I'm talking about this life. 
Don't let some kind of little barrier come in your way and it stops you. No, go through. I'm going to win. I'm going to win. I have already seen in the book and I'm going to win. I wasn't put here to lose. I wasn't put here to go down. I was put here to win. <laughs> and sometimes you got to claw your way through depression. You got to claw your way through anxiety. And you got to jump over that devil and kick him while he's down. But you're going to win. Suicide steps up in your way. It's time you run suicide right over. So I'm done with your tormenting thoughts. I'm done with what you're doing to my mind. I'm done. Let's win this race. Amen. There's a cloud of witnesses. I can hear them this morning. There's Karen Pruitt. There's Jerry Shaw that says, keep pressing on. It's worth it. It's worth it. If you only knew what was over here, you would fight with everything you got to fight with. I'm going to win. Work on that pulsation. When God speaks to you and he says, get out of your seat and worship me, you ought to move. Don't let nothing hinder you. Don't let your past hinder you. Don't let the problems hinder you. Don't let the present hinder you. God said, I'm going to win. He grabbed that jawbone and he took off towards them thousand Philistines. I'm going to win. I'm going to win. I didn't come here to die. I come here to live. Bow, bow, bow. Amen. Depression flying this way. Anxiety flying that way. Spirits of darkness of every kind go flying off to the side. What is it? There's a Samson in the building. There's a David in the building that says, I'm going to win. I'm going to rise and I'm going to fight this devil. I'm not here to lose. I'm here to be victorious. Hallelujah. Oh my, let's just praise him again. He's worthy. We're in the season of Thanksgiving. We're in the season of Thanksgiving. There's a people here that know how to praise him because they know what he done for them. And they see where they was and where they are today and what he, what he brought them out of. He reached way down so he could bring me way up. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Part three. Now this is no Exodus 29 verse 38. Says, now this is which that which thou shalt offer upon the altar. Two lambs of the first year day by day continually. Oh my. Excuse me. One lamb thou shalt offer in the morning. The other lamb thou shalt offer in the evening. So he's good to me in the morning. He's good to me in the evening. He's good to me all day long. 
And with the one lamb, lamb, a tenth deal of flour mingled with the fourth part of him of beaten. Oh, this is Exodus 29 and verse 40. Of beaten oil. And the fourth part of him of, he, of a hen of wine for a drink offering. Oh, there's oil and wine. And the other lamb that shall offer it evening and shall do unto thereunto according to the great offering of the morning. So do it all over again. And according to the drink offering thereof for a sweet savor. Oh, now see what the wine's for. So a sweet savior could come up in his nostrils. Could it be this morning? He's just waiting. Oh, listen to that one. She's been through so much. Oh, that praise. It smells so good. That one's been down through hell and been through every kind of dark spirit and is still fighting and still got their hands up at Thanksgiving. Don't you smell that, angels? That smells so good. Amen. It's a sweet Savior, an offering made by fire unto the Lord. And thou shalt be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord, where I will meet you and speak there unto thee. And there I will meet with the children of Israel, and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. You want his glory? Then bring the oil and wine. Don't leave it out. If you leave any part of what he's asking out, you're not going to see his glory. You might see your intellectual ability. You might see your intellectual understanding, but you will not see his glory. And I will sanctify the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar. And I will sanctify also both Aaron and his sons to minister to me in the priest's office. And I will dwell among the children of Israel and be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God that brought them forth out of the land of Egypt. That I may dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. Daily, morning and evening. On the behalf of the whole congregation of Israel, the priest to offer a lamb with the accompanying meal and drink offerings. Thus day by day, the dedication of all the people was renewed. It's not just a Sunday morning sacrifice. It's not just a Wednesday night sacrifice, but it's a continual offering unto the Lord. This typifies a continual intercession which Christ ever lives to make yet that one offering thus becomes a continual offering. This teaches us to offer up to God the spiritual sacrifices of prayer and praise every day, every morning, every evening in humble acknowledgement of our dependence upon him and also of our obligations to him. Our daily devotions must be looked upon as the most needful of our daily works and the most pleasant of our daily comforts. Wow. Whatever business we have, this must never be omitted, either morning or evening. Prayer time must be kept up as a duty as meat time. The daily sacrifices were as daily meals in God's house, and therefore they were always attended with bread and wine. With oil and wine. These, those starved, those starved their own souls that kept not a constant attendance on the throne of grace. 
But Satan has tried to take the oil and wine, the lifeline out of the body through the dark ages and would have done it and would have done it except a voice said, don't hurt it. Because there had to be a restoration, not a replacement. Hello, somebody. He was going to restore the restoration of the bride tree, not the replacement of it. He wasn't going to just start all over again, but he was going to bring the same one up that went down in the beginning back up at the end. Therefore, to be able to do that, the life had to travel through. So the voice said, don't you touch that. And that voice is still saying that today. (laughs) So to have a restoration... There has to be something left to restore. So let's turn to Joel 1 and verse 1. The word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pethuel. Hear this, you old men. I guess that means me this morning. And give ear, all ye inhabitants of the land. Hath this been in your days or even in the days of your father? Tell ye of your children of it. And let your children tell their children and their children another generation. Excuse me. That which the palmer worm has left has the locust eaten. That which the locust has left has the canker worm eaten. And that which the canker worm has left has the caterpillar eaten. Awake ye drunkards and weep and howl all you drinkers of wine because of the new wine for it is cut off from your mouth. For a nation has come up before my land strong and without number whose teeth are the teeth of a lion and his cheek teeth of a great lion and he has laid my vine waste and barked my fig tree and he has made it clean bare and cast it away. The branches thereof are made white. Lament like a virgin girded with sackcloth for the husband of her youth. The meat offering and the drink offering is cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests and the Lord's ministers mourn. The field is wasted, the land mourneth, for the corn is wasted, and the new wine is dried up, and the oil languisheth. So there it is, wine and oil. Be ashamed, O ye husband, how, O ye vine dressers, for the wheat and for the barley, because the harvest of the field is perished. The vine is dried up, and the fig tree languisheth, and the pomegranate and the palm and the apple and all the trees of the field are withered. Because joy is withered away from the sons of men. What? Because joy is withered. Why? Why is joy gone? Because revelation is gone. And revelation brings stimulation. Revelation left during the dark ages. Sure, parts of them would grab a certain part. Wesley would, or Luther would grab a part. And Wesley would grab. But the full revelation was ate away. Therefore, stimulation was gone. Because the joy is withered away from the sons of men. Gird yourself and lament, you priest. How, you ministers of the altar. Come lie all night in sackcloth. That's what ministers should be doing if they don't see the oil and wine in their church. Not making excuses for why it ain't there. But saying, God, we need it. 
Lie all night in sackcloth, you ministers of my God, for the meat offering and the drink offering is withholding from the house of your God. Sanctify your fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord your God, and cry into the... So this must be important. Alas for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand, and destruction from Almighty shall it come. It is not the meat cut off before our eyes, yea, joy and gladness from the house of our God. The seed is rotten under their clods and the garners are laid desolate and the barns are broken down. They don't have no faith to move anything anymore. They've allowed their altars to be moved into the basement. They don't believe in prayer lines no more. Things have become very desolate. Why? Because there's no oil and there's no wine. It isn't in its fullness to bring stimulation, to bring growth, to bring movement. How the beast groan. And the herds of cattle are perplexed because they have no pasture. People are becoming very perplexed in this age. They can't find anything good to eat. Listen, children, Brother Ram talked about it. He said, children got to eat out of a garbage can if they have to. He said, but they don't have to. He said, the skies are full of the Pentecostal blessings. But why are people don't have something to eat? Why are they languishing? Why? So Lord, to thee will I cry. For the fire has devoured the pastures of the wilderness and the flame has burned all the trees of the field. And the beasts of the field cry also unto thee. For the rivers of waters are dried up and fire has devoured the pastures of the wilderness. Picture's bleak. Seems impossible. Seems like there's no hope left. Seems like nothing is left but blackness and ashes. Desolation. Joel chapter 2, 1 says, Blow ye the trumpet in Zion. Sound alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. For the day of the Lord cometh. For it is nigh at hand, a day of darkness and of gloominess, a day of clouds and of thick darkness as the morning spread upon the mountains. A great people and strong there hath not been ever like, neither shall there be any more of it, even into the years of many generations. A fire devoureth, behind them a flame burneth. The land is as a garden of Eden before them, but behind them is a desolate wilderness. Mercy. Nothing shall escape them. The, impa- the appearance of them is as the appearance of horses. Oh, and I saw another horse. And I saw another horse. And I saw a white horse and a, and a red horse and a black horse and a pale horse. The appearance of them is of horses. As a horseman, so shall they run. Like the noise of chariots on the tops of mountains shall they leap. Like the noise of a flame of fire that devoureth the stubble as a strong people set in battle array. Before their faces, the people shall be much pain. All their faces shall gather blackness. They shall run like mighty men. <clears throat> they shall climb the wall like men of war. They shall march everyone in his own ways. And they shall not break their ranks. 
Neither shall one thrust another. They shall walk every one in his path. And when they fall upon the sword, they shall not be wounded. They shall run to and fro. They shall run upon the wall. They shall climb upon the house. They shall enter to the windows like a thief. The earth shall quake before them. The heavens shall tremble and the sun and the moon shall be dark. And the stars shall withdraw their shine and the Lord shall utter his voice before his army for his camp is very great for he's strong that executeth his word for the day of the Lord is great and very terrible and who can abide in it? But therefore also now saith the Lord, turn ye even to me with all your heart and with fasting, with weeping, with mourning, rend your heart and not your garments and turn unto the Lord your God for he is gracious. He is merciful, he is slow to anger, of great kindness and repenteth of him of the evil. Who knoweth he, if he shall return and repent and leave a blessing behind him, even a meat offering and drink offering unto the Lord your God. What? Turn and repent and bring back the drink offering and the meat offering. Bring back the wine and the oil. Blow the trumpet in Zion and sanctify a fast. Gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, those who suck the breast. Let the bridegroom go forth of his chamber and the bride out of her closet. Let the priests and the ministers weep before between the porch and the altar. Let them say, spare thy people, O Lord, and give not thine heritage to reproach, that the heathen shall rule over them. Wherefore should they say among the people, where is their God? Then will the Lord be jealous for his land and pity his people. Yea, the Lord will answer and say, behold... I will send you corn and wine and oil and ye shall be satisfied therewith and I will no more make you approach among the heathen but I will move, remove far off of, from you the northern army and I will drive him into the land barren and desolate and his face toward the east sea and his hinder parts toward the utmost sea and his stink shall come up and his ill savor shall come up because he had done great things. Fear not, O land. Be glad and rejoice for the Lord will do great things. Be a Afraid you beasts of the field for the pastures of the wilderness do spring up. They're going to be restored for the tree beareth her fruit and the fig tree and the vine do yield their strength. Be glad then you children of Zion and rejoice in the Lord your God for he had given you the former rain moderately but he will also come down with you the rain, the former and the latter. The harvest rain in the first month and the floor shall be full of wheat and the fat shall overflow with wine and oil. And I will replace. I will restore. So there had to be still life laying down there. There had to be even all that desolation and all that pro- The army had eaten it all up and it seemed impossible. But down below there was a little rotten seed. And it began to pop up. Amen. It began to come out of the ground. It laid there through a dark age. But it came out of the ground. And Luther said, the just shall live by faith. And it came up a little higher. Wesley said, amen. It began to preach the message of sanctification. And then there was a restoration of the gifts. Whether you want to acknowledge it or not, it's still part of the life. Amen. It brings it right on up. Amen. All the way till seed time again. I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten and the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm. My great army. In other words, the one I allowed to do this. And you shall eat in plenty. You shall worship in plenty. 
(laughs) You will have something to worship about. And praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never be ashamed. You shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and I'm the Lord your God and none else and my people shall never be ashamed. And it shall come to pass afterward that I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions and upon the servants, upon the handmaid in those days, I will pour out my oil, my spirit, I'll pour it out and I'll show wonders in the heaven and the earth and the blood and fire and pillars of smoke and the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord come and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered shall be delivered for in the Mount Zion and Jerusalem shall be deliverance and the Lord has said in the remnant whom the Lord shall call So it's not a replacement. It's not something new. Well, we got something new. No, we got got what Paul preached. It's a restoration. It's a restoring back to the church what was in the beginning. Therefore, it'll have exactly what the first church had. It'll have the same power. It'll have the same passion. It'll have the same glory. It'll have the same love. This was the lamb that said, I will restore. Not start something new. Well, let's just start and this is plant a new plant. No, he said, I'm going to restore what that army did. But the same life. The same oil, the same wine in the first church will be the same oil, the same life, the same wine in the last church. Don't hurt the oil and the wine, the wine that brings stimulation, not just revelation, but stimulation of revelation. If you get just revelation and it's just a bunch of head knowledge and it does nothing for you, it's nothing but head knowledge. But if it begins to stimulate you to the point that you begin to realize, I am a son of God. I am a daughter of God. This is my heritage. This is my home. This is my place. This is my promise. (laughs) I don't have to bow down to what the devil says anymore. I can worship him in spirit and truth. Mercy. How about I don't want what's happened here? I'm on a different time, I think. It's my birthday. Let me preach. Amen. He says, the only way you're going to see your way out. Did you hear that? Is an old-fashioned spiritual revival where the hallelujahs of God is ringing from the bottom of your heart. An old-fashioned Holy Ghost sent revival hit the place. Then you'll begin to see things. I asked somebody who really got stimulated by some drink. They see things you can't see. That's naturally speaking. They see things. They can see a pink elephant walk to this room. They can see all kinds of stuff. I ain't talking about a pink elephant. I ain't talking about some imagination. 
But I'm talking about get stimulated enough to where you can leave this old pest house, this old world, and sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus and rise above your old filthy, rotten attitudes and things of this life and the devil trying to push things down. You rise above it. He said, wow, what a revival then. When God starts beginning to reveal things, you wonder why these real Christians are hanging on? It's because of revival. They got in the spirit. That's the reason that people have dances. They don't get, have a dance so they could get in the spirit of dancing. You can't have a ball game unless you get in the spirit of a ball game. You got to get in the spirit of You can't never have a revival in Shreveport or anywhere else until the church gets in the spirit of revival. God can come and perform miracles. He can show wonders. He can stretch forth his hand to heal the sick and the afflicted. And the preacher can preach the gospel as hard as he can. But there'll never be a revival until the church gets in the spirit of it. He says, what makes men gamble? I just got a few more minutes. What makes men gamble? What makes men carry on? What makes these little girls and boys out there do the little boogie-woogie and rock and roll and ungodly things? He said, because Sunday school is let down and the home is let down and parents have let down and the nation's let down. But men sing songs that inspire him. It says that's the reason Elvis Presley sang All Shook Up. They didn't, they didn't teach them Rock of Ages cleft for me. That's the reason. The reason that people don't believe in shouting tonight but will scream at a ball game is because they haven't been taught such things and kept away from the glorious presence of Jesus Christ that gives them that satisfying portion. Whew. John was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Get in the spirit. How have we got to, how, how are you ever going to get in the Holy Ghost? Get in the spirit. How are you going to get something from God? Get in the spirit. When you was a sinner, you went to a dance, you got in the spirit. You started clapping your hands, started patting your feet, started shin digging, throwing your hat on the floor and going around and around acting silly. You was in the spirit of it. Could you imagine a fellow with a dance fiend going to a dance saying, well, you all having a pretty good time, I suppose. All oh, they'd say, well, you wallflower, get out of here. Wow. You wallflower, get out of here. Hey Amen. You go to a ball game, somebody knock a home run or something, another set and look and say, well, I guess that's pretty good. You ain't a baseball fan. But if you're a baseball fan, somebody hits a home run, you'll knock somebody else's hat off. Shouting and screaming. He said, if the church gets in the spirit and begins to raise up and holler glory, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Somebody turn around and say, you're a holy roller. He said, I'm going to ask you a question. If we are unholy rollers because, or holy rollers because we do that, then them are unholy rollers out there. He said, I'd rather be a holy roller than an unholy one. <laughs> hallelujah. Amen. And the Bible would talk about when Aaron would go into the Holy of Holies, they would pour the oil over him. He says, you know, he said, I know you think we're an awful noisy bunch. He said, but I can prove to you if there ain't no, no, ain't noisy, there ain't no God there. Wow. People don't, people that likes the other side, they don't like these quotes. Rip them out. But in the Old Testament, 
when Aaron was anointed with the robes of Sharon, the oil of God, and he had the anointing run, run down his beard to the hems of his skirt, and he took the sacrifice, and he went into the Holy of Holies. And he went behind that curtain across the garment, and he had a pomegranate and a bell, and they'd hit together. And then when he walked, it played holy, holy, holy unto the Lord. That's the anointed church of God moving into the Holy of Holies. Look here, brother, that's the reason they did that. That's the only reason they could tell that he was alive. They had to listen to see if there was any noise. <laughs> he said, if there's no noise, he's dead. That's what's today the church that's born again, going into the Holy of Holies, anointed with God's a pomegranate bell. Hallelujah. You know they're alive. There's a bell ringing. Oh, I wish I had me a bell. Holy, holy, holy unto the Lord. Scoffers say, just look at them, would you? Holy, holy unto the Lord. Just look at them, would you? Holy, holy unto the Lord. He said, we wish we had time to lay a foundation what that incense meant and speaking of Christ and everything. The incense now is his blood, the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley, and how the high priest before he went into the Holy of Holies, had to be anointed with the oil from the top of his head and it run all the way down his beard and over to over his hems of his skirt. It wasn't just a little bit of oil. It was a lot of oil. He said, somebody happens to tell you that these full gospel people are just a little noisy. Here's something for them. Aaron, when he went to the Holies of Holies once a year, he had to wear that kind of garment, had to be anointed. Amen, what was it that was screaming out? He said, well, Brother Branham, it's just emotional. It's just emotion. He said, oh, I can scientifically prove to you anything without emotion is dead. So if your religion hasn't got any emotion in it, bury it. Bury it. Because it ain't no good anyhow. It's dead. But there is a life. There is a life that's moving through the body. Hallelujah. It's the life that if it moves through you and it comes into your life and you go down in the grave, one day it's going to stimulate all those old ashes laying there. All those old skull fragments that maybe laid in there for 40, 50 years, whatever it is. Grandma's been gone a long time. One day the Holy Spirit, that move is going to move over that body. Son of man, will these bones live again? Thou knowest, Lord. Amen. The spirit began to move over those bodies and it began to call back out of that dust and it began to move. What was it doing? It was moving them up to a higher place again, back to who they were again, out of that, out of that graveyard, out of that broken bones and broken situations. Oh God, that's why we got to have the spirit of God moving in our churches. We got to have the oil and the wine and the revelation, amen, the stimulation of it moving because it's moving people out of their doldrums. It's moving people out of their brokenness. It's moving them out of their broken situations. It's moving them out of their hopeless situation into the life of God. Hurt not the oil and the wine. When you come to offer sacrifice of praise, Bring both of them. You can shout all you want to. You can holler all you want to. You can dance all you want to. But if you ain't got both of them, you can sit on your seat all you want to. But if you ain't got both of them, 
It's not doing anything for him. It's nothing but human workup. It's funny how people want to say, well, they're just getting worked up. Well, what is people sitting on a seat doing, getting worked down? I mean, seriously. What, what, what? It's, it's, it's the humanity. You got to get past what you think. And just make sure that if it's in your seat with tears coming down your face, make sure you're offering him the oil and the wine. Let's bow our hands. How about you today? I can't look at you and say, well, you got oil, you don't have oil, you got wine, you don't have wine. But this is a personal moment with him. Maybe, maybe somebody just wants to say, fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up. Refill her. Move me to a higher height, deeper depths. Into the presence of Almighty God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, I, I just want to make a, in this Thanksgiving season, I just want to make a time of rededicating. Lord, where I've been unthankful, I want to thank you right now. I want to thank you, Lord, for you brought me to this place. I wouldn't be here, Lord, if it wasn't for you. There wasn't nothing I could do on my own, but it was all because of your grace. Amen. I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask Brother Philip and the choir to come back up. Let's just worship the Lord this morning. Father, Lord, truly, it's because of your grace and mercy. Lord, where would we be, Father, without you, Lord? Moving in our hearts and moving in our lives, Lord. Always behind the scenes, a voice speaking. Nope, Satan, you can't move there. Satan, you've moved back. Satan, you can't touch there. No, you can't hurt there. Because we know, Lord, if it wouldn't have been for your spirit... Wouldn't have been for the eye that's on the sparrow, Lord. We'd be a, just a wreck, laid to waste. But Father, we're thankful this morning for your grace and mercy. We want to thank you for it today. We want to thank you, Lord, because we can look back to where we were. Nobody knows like I know what you've done for me. Lord, here it's been 46 years and I can say, Lord, you never left me. Been through some hard times in my life, Lord, but you never left me. Made a lot of bad mistakes. Messed up a lot, Lord, but you never left me.
Lord, I'm asking, Lord, with my cup up, Father, that you just move, Lord, in my life again. Lord, there was hands lifted all over this building, Lord. Said, God, I want a fresh anointing, a fresh touch. Lord, in this Thanksgiving season, may we receive it, Lord. The oil of gladness, the wine, Lord, the stimulation of revelation. Thank you, Father, for all that you do. Thank you for your hand on our lives, Lord. Thank you for being who you are. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's just worship the Lord this morning. Has he done something for you? There's something today that you just want to especially thank him for. Maybe a revelation has struck your heart and you just want to thank him. I want to give God praise. I want to lift him up. sitting there thinking while he was preaching you know when I was young of course you look at me now I'm a pretty big fella but in them days I was a little guy and it wasn't that I was the toughest or the greatest but they knew I would fight and so for at least 45 seconds they wasn't going to like it whether I won or lost and I think with the devil it's the same way make him not like it if he's going to fight make him not like it for however longer you can stand Amen. Sing this with us again.
Jesus for saving a sinner like me. Oh, to tell the world that salvation is free. And then there were times when I, Lord, I just, I didn't do right. Oh, but you watched, you watched over me.
Ah! 
something that can't be taken away, can't be snatched out of your hand, amen, amen, but it gives an anchor, hallelujah, amen, we have a, just a quick announcement here, we're needing some of the young people to help move some stuff out of the activity building, so if, amen, if you're available to help do that after church, that would be appreciated, amen, we hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving, amen, I haven't heard officially, but I'm assuming Wednesday night is canceled, so, amen, so we'll cancel, we're canceling Wednesday night service, amen, but take the extra time to give an extra thanks to God for all that he's done, amen, amen, have a wonderful, wonderful week, and let's go sing in that song, amen, as we're dismissed. Oh, this victory that I had, oh, my God gave it to me, this victory that I had, oh, my God gave it to me. Give it to me, oh.
my comfort and your 
comfort 